This week's edition of For Fuck's Sake is brought to you by Temple Brewing. Temple Brewhouse in Brunswick East, home of the award-winning bicycle beer. Temple's amazing beer is all brewed on site in the amazing brew house in Brunswick East. Their team of experienced and skilled brewers work hard to ensure that you enjoy every mouthful of delicious craft beer. It doesn't get any fresher than this. Your beer was brewed footsteps away from where you are enjoying it. The bar, restaurant, and function space big enough for 100 people ensures you can enjoy a comfy experience for any occasion so visit the team at 122 western street in brunswick east or give them a follow on insta at temple brewing fes is also brought to you by royal parade creative they are a melbourne-based studio that produces simple clever design solutions done with a high level of care and sophistication specializing in brand identity development and redevelopment campaign art direction typography illustration and digital royal parade offers a lot of services that you'd expect from a large agency without the large agency price tag so if you need a new badge billboard corporate logo or bar menus get in touch and find out how royal parade can make it happen mention FES for a 10% discount on your first design project, brand, art, design, thinking, royalparade.com. And our final sponsor is Ambrosia Fold Designs, as seen on the block and Married at First Sight. They are located in Tullamarine and they specialize in weddings, functions, and corporate events. Ambrosia also offer follow workshops, which make great gift ideas. Book a consultation for your next event by calling Leanne on 9338-3609 or you can contact her online at ambrosialfolddesigns.com. Mention FES to receive a discount off your next booking. And a final reminder that each and every Tuesday at midday, we are simulcast on FNR Radio, Football Nation Radio. So get on board and uh, listen to them each and every Tuesday. Uh, well, you can listen to us each and every Tuesday, but you can also listen to their breakfast show between 8 a.m. to 9 a.m. on uh, Monday to Friday. Uh, let's get into it. It's a big show of FVS. <laughs> The victory are back on the winner's list, but at what price? Welcome back to FES. We are back again. It's uh, round three. The the Vaka on the winner's sheet for the first time this season. My name is Jason. I'm joining you for the final time from sunny Cambodia town in Long Beach, California. This will be the last episode in sunny Cambodia town. We are moving a little bit closer to the beach in Long Beach as of next week. Joining me are the boys. Uh, first, we'll cross the man, the people, all the way, Motsonia. Hello, mate. Budza, how are you? I'm very positive today, Jason. <laughs> it's happy Vak Day, boys. Happy FVS Day, boys. It's uh, it's a great time to be here. Always a pleasure. And the chief analyst of FVS is also with us in Murrumbina. Dave, good morning. It's um, 7.07 a.m. on Sunday morning. We are recording this. Um, you... Uh, weren't used to the early rise last week. You were pushing all week to um, to push these a little bit later, but we're we're back again on a Sunday morning. Welcome. Thank you, Jace. Uh, good morning, all. Uh, as the great Paul Keating once said, you know, it was the recession that we had to have. Well, this was very much the uh, three points that we had to have. It was ugly, but we got there. 
It was ugly indeed. A real grinded out tight win. We're going to discuss all of that in just a moment's time. The the first win of the season for the victory, which was, uh, yeah, a, a bit of a grinded out type victory. Um, we're also going to be discussing the, uh, the Sydney rescheduling match um, or the rescheduling of the Sydney match that'll be on the agenda as well the Western United preview against uh, yeah on I think is it Friday night or Saturday night guys my days are all mixed up being in a different country Saturday Saturday yeah Saturday Saturday Saturday. the Saturday night game against Western United as well Um, before we get into the episode though um, there's a few notes we have to check off on and uh, one of those is the Patreon competition is now closed so um you can still join up to patreon if you want to and support for fuck's sake on patreon but the win away win the away trip um campaign is now over um we have a uh, another flurry of people getting in before the uh, round three cutoff so we'll give some shout outs to those people at the moment jamie b sheldon oski hayden atherton cliff lob tom daffy mark moffat david chang Tim Ryan, Darren N. Morris, Stephen, Ryan Proud, and Alpine Star, um, who sounds like a, a runner in the Cox Plate yesterday, Alpine Star. Um, but thank you all for your contributions to this campaign. The re- response has just been huge, and we've been really buoyed by the fact that people are just getting on board and supporting us. We have, I think, now we're up to 108 Patreons, so 108 people are supporting, for fuck's sake. Um, I got a retractable screen for my videos um which i picked up yesterday but they didn't actually tell me i have to get a stand to um accompany the retractable the retractable banner so um that'll hopefully be in action next week but there's a few things that we're just putting together um with help from the uh the supporters so thank you very much and just a big shout out to uh, a friend of the pod, uh, Tom G, who also made a contribution. He doesn't like Patreon, so he just sent us some money instead. Yeah, th- thanks, Tom G. Thank you so much for that. Now, the music theme in line with the Patreon $5 award tier subscription. Uh, Amelia Roth, who is a listener, will be curating the music theme this week, and she has gone with a girls' theme. So uh, look out for some specific artists that are female on this week's podcast. Um, hopefully, everyone enjoys it. But um, yeah, you can get on board and you can still subscribe. Uh, $5 Patreon tier. Dave, you'll be sending out some stubby holders next week as well or in the next oh, few weeks. I can't wait till people see these stubby holders. I know we've put a couple of bits of social media on, but I don't think it's really uh, spread that far. Our, our friends uh, or a friend at Royal Parade Let's put together a ripper of a stubby holder. And the Sud um, new season clothing apparel is coming out as well. I think we might hopefully try and get a sneak peek for the uh, the Patreon people who are getting a... Also, I think the $5 guys are getting free pa- uh, free Sud stuff as well. So, yeah, that's uh, something to look out for as well. Uh, let's get into it. A huge episode of FVS. I do my hair toss, check my nails. Baby, how you feeling? Simplify. 
Just a reminder about the For Fuck's Sake message boards at ForFuck'sSake.com. Jump on board to chat all things victory all day and all night with fellow like-minded victory fans. And you can discuss all types of matters relating to the victory and also matters that aren't pertaining to the victory. Uh, it's the only place really that me, uh, Dave, and also Buds get onto as well to chat victory. So if you want to uh, discuss the podcast or chat with us directly to um, to tell us how, uh, how we are hypocrites about Corey Brown, you're certainly welcome welcome to um get, give us your best shot vivaksake.com <laughs> uh to chat all things victory all day and all night now the victory are finally on the winners list uh, off the mark for season 19/20 uh, a real grinded out 1-0 victory against Brisbane Raw i didn't realize that our record uh, our recent record at Suncourt Stadium is actually quite impressive um, i think it's the third win on the trot they said on the telecast um, which is uh, quite pleasing um, so the victory are back on the board. Uh, I think all eyes were on the midfield and how that was going to shape up. Uh, Poulsen was uh, the omission from the starting 11 squad and Basha took his place. And arguably, you could say that Basha was the best player on the pitch. The movement was a little bit quicker. There, there's still some glaring, glaring weaknesses, which we're all going to discuss in just a moment. Uh, the chief analyst, how did you see the match? Boys, uh I would describe us currently as uh, at uh, Jesse Pinkman levels of chemistry. Uh, and what we need to start to develop is uh, more of a Walter White level. Uh, you know, start producing some uh, better Some great product, stuff. If you like. That's yeah. right. That's right. Look, um, at the selection table, Basher came in for Poulsen. I think there was no major surprise there. I think we all kind of tipped that one of either Poulsen or Dobras would make way. Um, and, of course, Traore came in for Brown. So both of those changes pretty predictable. Uh, I was worried at the start of this game because there was that disgraceful yellow from Storm Roo early, mm-hmm. just, you know, utter madness to, to try and uh, attract the ire of the referee in that way so early. And then, of course, Tommy Deng also on a yellow as early. Um, look, Brisbane played... A hard game, as was to be expected. We sort of called that out last week, um, looking to break up any rhythm we had with pretty sort of borderline fouls uh, on Ola Toivon and specifically. It was obvious that they were targeting him. Um, yeah, and thankfully, he's the sort of player that has copped that for most of his career, so he was able to ride it out. Um, and, of course, he was absolutely instrumental in the, the build-up play, dropping deep, and you know, his passing range, obviously, to create that that goal for uh, Andy Naboo was wonderful. Uh, but uh, look, I, I don't think that game had too many takeaways. I mean, we absolutely took the different approach that we talked about last week. We we coughed up possession. I think Brisbane had 66% of it. And, you know, we were quite happy to, to counter. Well, I think the, the one main takeaway is the fact that um, the squad's going to be turned upside down again with the injury to Andrew Naboo. So um, there's going to be yeah, quite a, a bit of a crisis um, going on with Melbourne Victory in the, in the injuries at the moment, Buds. Um, how did you see the Naboo injury? How did you see the match? Um, positive? You are a positive man this week. What are your thoughts? Uh, it was an awful game. Like, yeah, no was. two ways about it. It was, it was bloody awful. Um, it was hard watching, but... Uh, within that, like you saw at halftime when all the toy, and I, th- I, th- I think these halftime interviews, look, the, the most there was a couple of bizarre things I saw out of this game, but I think nothing will be more bizarre than a post-injury interview. 
I thought it was great access. I thought it was fantastic. It was was great access. I just thought it was bizarre. I'm I'm, I'm, like, it was actually relieving to hear him not be so despondent about his injury and sit there and go, look, it was more preemptive than anything it sounded like, you know. Mm -hmm. It looked terrible, you know, when someone pulls up like that, um, you're fearing the worst, and especially 15 minutes after he's just scored the exact kind of play and goal that we've been waiting for mm. for you know for two 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 and a half matches before that um you know it was it was per- it was a perfectly taken goal like you you know uh, Ola Toivonen is the glue of this team at the moment and arguably you you could say that um any player on the pitch could get injured and we'd still got that guy to do something for us but um god forbid anything happens to Ola but uh, what I was getting at before was, you know, Ola seemed pretty okay with the performance at half time when he had the interview and he was like, you know, it's okay. We're doing what we can. We're, um, we're playing hard. And, and they did. They played really hard. There were some really, really, um, really great performances, notably by, in my eyes, by Basher and James Donachy. I thought um, Deng, Deng didn't have the greatest game. He had a bit of a shocker early, and I think the yellow card set the tone for him. But Donaghy was very strong. Um, Storm Rue is another boy who's cops a lot from the fan base. Is we, look what we've got this season too. Is we've got some players that are just polarizing, like absolutely polarizing players. Where you know I'm sitting there thinking they're doing okay and they're doing their job, and the fan base are absolutely lambasting them. Storm Rue's one of them. Whereas there's players that I think are having absolute shockers, like let's let's say Christian Dobras, and people saying, "Oh no, he's great. He's just getting yeah. into the game. He's he'll, when he gets on the ball, he puts a great ball through." I'm like, "Does he? Does he?" So I'm not going to talk about him much this week because he didn't do a hell of a lot. No, but you're right. He, you're right. There are a lot of people, especially on the Fox Sake forums, that uh, that go on to bat for him. I'm interested in what you think about that Dave because he I mean we spoke about this in the in the pre-season preview or whatever was saying who has the most pressure on them and, and you said Dobris and you know pretty much you, you turned out to be spot on because he's mm. the one under the microscope every week now and he's relied upon to provide that creative um, outlet and I think that there's some people that are seeing certain things other people are seeing other things I think some people may see one moment in 90 minutes and say, you know, he's fine. Um, then other people see the whole 90 minutes. And they may assess him on that. Dave, what are your thoughts? Yeah, we have a sample size of three games now, pretty much that we've been able to try and assess Christian Dobras. And, you know, my, my question is just what exactly is Christian Dobras? You know, he seems to be running around aimlessly. Uh, I think the situation here is that, you know, we knew nothing of him really before he arrived. And um, my my key comment here is that I'm just not convinced that he's a number 10. I'm starting to think that altering the formation or at least just giving him a different type of role could be the way that he integrates into the side better. And that's obviously a very glass half full response I'm giving you guys. But um, something I, I noticed that um, annoyed me about him so you know those first two games I was um, in the stands and you don't really get a, a sense of things watching from a distance but something about his body language disturbed me I, I don't know if it's just his persona or, or you know just the way he carried himself on the pitch um, but look another positive I think he's actually got more pace than I thought he did so 
Look, I, I, I'm, I'm not in the business of writing off players early, um, but I do think there's a role issue here. That That's where I'm sort of leaning. It was uh, pretty interesting to see just, you know, Alvis Kemp Sober and Christian Dobres um, together uh, trying to figure out how to get the ball in the back. And then I think both are down on uh, confidence. Alvis is an interesting one in that he scored again from an offside position, um, but he, oh, I don't know. That's another one where the fans are yes and no or on the fence about Elvis Camp Sober. Yeah, well, look, as I said, I'm not. I'm not going to. I've said what I need to in the past couple of weeks about Dobris, and I just until we start seeing some end product, I'm not going to put any more time into critiquing his game because I'm not really doing a hell of a lot. So. I do, however, think there are bigger problems in the squad than him. And I think Elvis and his lack of composure and finishing and being able to stay on side at this current moment where we are, because we've got a disaster in the squad named Robbie Cruz, Mm -hmm. which means Elvis has to play every single week. Okay, Elvis's finishing is a serious concern for this squad. Now, what is a positive is that, and I think we is the most positive thing out of this Brisbane performance, is the amount of space we got. We got so much space. We got yep. so we we got behind their defenders so many times, and I don't care how bad how badly Brisbane are going. When you can do that away from home, you've got to be happy with that. And we got three points, and we got another clean sheet. So, um, the biggest problem for me is. Um, and now it's going to be quantified even more with the Naboo injury and the fact that we are going to be seeing Kenny Athu on a wing. So you're going to have two sides. You're going to have Kenny and Elvis on either side. And there's a lack of composure there, a serious lack of composure. I think a lot of uh, the reason reasoning behind that extra space we seem to have uh, can be sourced through... Uh, Midgen Basha, I think mm. his decision making in the middle of the park, and he just has this surety and confidence on the ball. And I think obviously he's he's not a one dimensional midfielder, and so what I think that allowed us to do is to you know make those runs. Coming back to Cam Sober and runs, to me it's not really just about his finishing; it's that decision making, the final ball. You know, because obviously you mentioned how he had that counter attack moment with Dobras. You know, he he made the wrong call. You know, he should have actually shot there, um, I, I feel. And it's it, he seems to either make the wrong decision when he's onside, but then when he's offside, he does score. So, you know, I feel sorry for the bloke because that's twice now he's had a goal ruled out because he's just not timed his run well. So it's it's definitely a deficiency. Um, and I'm starting to see, you know, shades of Archie Thompson with some of his sort of yes. mistimed runs. Yeah, the only thing is that Archie Thompson did score the occasional goal as well. And I know that a lot of people, I mean, as I said, there's a lot of people on the fence in terms of fans. People love his effort. And then other people are saying, well, where's the where's the actual end product? And, you know, you're playing for Melbourne Victory, you're playing for the biggest club in, in the land. And I think that, you know, show me some goals, show me some assists. I really want some output from, from Elvis Camp Sober and the, the pressure on him as you said, Buds, with now Kenny Athew and Elvis Kemp Sober um, playing on those wings is going to be really, really uh, intensified. So it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. Does the injury to Andrew Naboo, and we probably should discuss this in the in the preview um, segment, but I just want to touch on it quickly. Does this sh- 
force a shift in formation or a shift of um, strategy for Marco Kurtz? Well, what we saw was on 60 Minutes when Kurtz had had enough of Dobris's game and his just lack of product at all. He brought Paulson into the game. Now, I don't really think Paulson had much of an effect for 30 minutes. What you did see probably 10 minutes into him coming on the field, Kurtz gave a post-it note onto the pitch for the players and then they flattened the... Uh, they flattened the midfield and brought the 10 in, so it turned it into more of a traditional 4-3-3. So whether, whether we see that more in play um, for the rest of you know this, this injured period where we can finally get some players back up to speed if that ever happens, um, because um, you never know with Melbourne Victory, this, this uh, three-weeker hamstring pull from um, Andy Naboo could turn into him coming back in February. You just never know. Yeah, I think that's the solution. Um, the, the, I'm more of a, a four-three-three because, and, and you know, obviously Dobras in with Paulson because I, I just can't see. Um, <laughs> I'm not a fan of the idea of Kenny starting. I think you know, obviously he has a role to play, but I don't think we should be starting him, uh, particularly you know, in these big games that we've got coming up. Uh, yeah, it's just not the solution. I feel. Another clean sheet for Lawrence Thomas and his back four, which was really, really pleasing. This is uh, a pretty uh, glaring weakness we had last season, but the uh, the boys in the, the back are really getting it done. And I think that the trust that a fan would have in uh, James Donerkey and, and Thomas Dang as a pairing um, gives us a little bit of flexibility when Timmy Hoogland does come back. I think it's um, really, really pleasing to see that the, uh, the back four are remaining resolute. Yeah, I really liked Lawrence Thomas's game. Obviously, had a fair bit of work to do uh, at various moments in the game, but I thought you know he marshaled that back four really well, uh, and it's encouraging to see uh, you know us get the job done defensively. I thought we were outstanding in the in the defensive half. Yeah, no arguments there. And um, as we alluded to before, I thought Donicky Donicky had a really good game and. I think Donnerkey's the perfect player when you're coming up against a Brisbane team like that with, you know, just meatheads. I think Donnerkey's that meathead defender to counteract meathead teams when you're coming up against, you know, your Roy O'Donovans and the like and Inman and, you know, they've got some big, big bodies and big British players. So um, I'm happy. I'm happy with the defence. Um, you can't really argue with it so far. Just one thing, boys, I wanted to ask you a question without notice. With these injuries, is it time for us to be asking questions about our strength and conditioning coach, old farty pants, Anthony Crea? Well, he's gone, isn't he? Yeah, he's gone. Has he? Yeah, he's gone. Yeah. All right, we'll just yeah, he, edit that out. No, no, we're not going to edit it out because um, I heard that uh, a rumour, though. I heard a rumour because we are well connected with people that uh, know people who know people who know people at the club. We heard that um, that perhaps the strength and conditioning replacement for Anthony Crayer was one of the last things that was done in the off-season and that perhaps the boys are a little bit behind the pace. Now, you can say that last year we had our fair share of soft tissue injuries, which is then carried into the uh, the new season, although you probably could argue that um, that Robbie Cruz probably failed the medical, but we went ahead with it anyway, so that, that can't be blamed on the club. Um, you, you get what you pay for with Robbie Cruz. But there have been, obviously, with uh, Timmy Hoogland and now Andrew Nabruz, some more soft tissue injuries. The, the question does have to be asked, and I know that um, there was... 
a question asked about you know why are players training the day before a match and I'm not sure is that a is that a common thing that happens in world sport in world football that players are doing strenuous training uh, the day before a match it does seem quite odd and, and Tim Hoogland of course went down the day before round one um, some questions that have to be asked I mean if it continues it's a worrying trend I'm going to blame LinkedIn on this occasion. He hasn't changed his LinkedIn profile. He's oh, still listed as being in the club. I'm not surprised by that. He's, he seems like a bit of a, uh, a bit of a lazy uh, person on the LinkedIn to update his uh, his resume. Maybe he's enjoying a well deserved holiday. I'm not sure. But the, let's get into the Lion Medals votes as voted by our fans or listeners on Facebook and Twitter. If you want, do want to get involved, just follow us on Facebook and Twitter for fuck's sake. Buds, who gets the votes this week? Uh, thanks to everyone that voted. We're taking votes on Insta now too. So we've we yes. got them all, o- all over the social media sphere. Uh, and that meant that Mijin Basha got the three votes. Ola Toivonen got the two votes. And James Donicky got one vote. Just quickly... Just quickly, actually, because I wanted to bring this up, uh, there have also been some things and murmurings on social media and the forums about the body language of Ola Toivonen. Has it um, has it crossed your radar at all, boys? Nah, he's just grumpy. As is, I, I, I don't I don't really think I've noticed too much different to how he usually is. He's um, a bit of a laconic character. He's a bit dour. Um, he hates doing media. And all that kind of shit, anyway. So um, I don't, I don't have any issues. I saw, I saw some stuff where people are uncomfortable with him as captain. Mm. Um, I, I think he's a perfect captain. He's, you want someone that's going to drive standards. So go for it. Yeah, I liken him with his captaincy style, a bit like Viduka. He lets his football do the talking. Yep, so those are the Lions at Medals votes for this week. Uh, a reminder that you can jump on board too, for fuck's sake, Twitter and Facebook to get involved and also on Insta. Uh, we'll take a break and come back. Just before we preview a huge Melbourne derby, or the Westgate derby, um, a quick one on the news during the week that the Sydney FC versus Melbourne victory match, the Big Blue, as they call it, that was scheduled for uh, Saturday, November 16, has been rescheduled as a result of the international break or the international window. It's been pushed back 24 hours to 6.30pm the next day. Now, uh... This has caused some real, real headaches for for travelling away fans, um, Melbourne Victory fans who would have planned their whole weekend around going up to Sydney on the Saturday, um, now would be struggling to make the Sunday evening kickoff, which then would obviously impact on flights home as well as work the next day. So understandably, the Victory fans are up in arms about this. Um, A little bit unhappy with the club. There was quite a bit of vitriol on the club Twitter page about uh, not sticking up for fans and so forth. It seems like Sydney got their way. They were pushing hard for this because they were ravaged by uh, losing players to international duty. Now they get them back. You could see this as maybe being a a good thing for us in terms of uh, getting a result on the pitch. They're going to be seemingly 
seemingly uh, putting tired players fresh off international flights on the pitch, which could work to our advantage, but really disappointing for the travelling fans. And we know that uh, how much it costs to go on a away trip. You're looking probably at a, a, at least a minimum of $1,000 for the weekend when you count uh, flights, accommodation, booze, uh, Uber trips, and all that kind of stuff. So, um, yeah, really disappointing for the, for the travelling fans, Dave. 100%. And uh, what a relationship Sydney FC continue to have with the powers that be. Boycott that shit and build, uh, build a club. Just build a <laughs> club because there's, there's absolutely no way that this got through without being sanctioned by Melbourne Victory. Absolutely no way. Yeah. It's, it's absolute horse shit. Um, um, how, how, how many more times can this, um, this entity in Sydney FC just continually keep getting kissed on the dick by the, uh, by the Federation? It's, it's a disgrace. Mm. Like, I'm, I'm sorry, but Melbourne Victory have had a, a long-standing history of having Socceroos players and young Socceroos players and internationals from other countries, and we've never had jack shit in the way of assistance on international windows. There's a really, there's a really, really, really tried and tested method in world football of not having these two things clash, and that is adhering to FIFA international windows, which this competition just does not do. It would just dumb. Just idiotic decisions by idiotic people that don't know the landscape, and now the end user, which uh, this this competition and everyone involved in it should be clamouring to keep hold of, which is the main stakeholders within this whole industry, which is the fans, and it's just own goal after own goal, and people are wondering why the people are turning away in droves, and it's because of this kind of stuff. Couldn't have said it better myself, mate. Uh, and we all recall what Graham Arnold of Sydney FC fame in those days said to us as a club, maybe we shouldn't recruit so many internationals. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yep, typical Sydney uh, wank, really. Unfortunately, let's get into the Westgate Derby preview Saturday night at Marvel Stadium, 7.30pm. It's Melbourne Victory taking on the new boys of the competition, Western United, who have had a pretty decent... Uh, introduction into the competition. Uh, we're recording this. I don't think they've played just yet. Are they coming off a bye? Who are they playing this week? They're playing today. They're playing. They're playing City in the Peasant Derby. In the Peasant Derby. So, uh, yeah, I think they had what um, a draw and a win first up. So not a bad start. They've got a pretty decent side. Um, Diamante is a cut above the rest in the league right now. He'd be probably um, looking at maybe winning the Johnny Warren Medal if his form keeps up. He's well and truly the uh, the best player in the competition in my eyes um, going off the, the first two weeks of the season we'll be without Andrew Naboo which is a huge huge loss um, my outlandish prediction of Andrew Naboo breaking the all-time victory goal scoring record for a season is up in flames unfortunately um, I'm very disappointed about that I backed him in heavily but uh, it'll force a reshuffle we'll be missing Andrew Naboo quite uh, quite badly I would have thought Dave absolutely but you know what before before we uh, completely get upset about that, uh, I wanted to just uh, touch on something about Andy Nabu. When when Buds and I were down in Oakley and we got to see Andy up close and personal, you know, he was not playing that night. And uh, what a specimen he was, you know, and it got me thinking on the night. He's probably the most cocksure ethnic at the Vuck that has ever cocksured. More than uh, Thea Harris or more than Mark Callis? 
We all remember Mark Ellis on on MySpace uploading the the David Via picture. He was um he was cruising around Epping picking up sixteen year olds. That's the definition of uh, of your cocksure ethnic confidence. You got you got to have a strut on and <laughs> off the pitch. <laughs> you yeah, do. You he, do. He, he had an arm hanging out the window driving into Bell Street Mackers. That's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> so we're gonna we're gonna do something special here, Vuck fans. We're gonna give you the all time Vuck cocksure ethnic eleven. Okay. Okay. All right. Who who do you got in this? Who, who, who so, do you have in this eleven? Let me just run out some criteria here, because look, just about just about everyone that plays in the A League is an ethnic. You know, yes. for, for for every Maddie Thompson, there's a dozen Georgievskis. <laughs> so it's not it's not good enough to just be a chock or a muzzer or an ethnic. You got to be a bit into yourself. You got to yeah. be cocky, hence the cocksure. Even if it's a tad misplaced and completely not, you know, in equilibrium with your talents. Generally speaking, you've got to have you got to have the attitude, and you've got to back it up with the way you carry yourself. And importantly, I think you've also got to be more on the Wogan side of the spectrum when it comes to how you speak. If you're all clear English, so if you're a wog like me that doesn't really have much of that Aussie wog twang, uh, then you don't make the side. You, you, you've just got to have a bit of that ethnicness in your voice. So that rules out people or someone like Kevin Musket, for example, because if you didn't know who he was and you heard him speak, you could easily think he was an Anglo. And lastly, the final criteria is that you actually have to be an Aussie. So the visa players don't count. Okay. Okay. All right. I, I feel like Buds can do a decent, uh, decent twang of that accent. Yeah, I can. So what you're saying, Dave, is that you can be in this team, but be absolutely no good. That's all right, mate. You nailed it. <laughs> all right. So who we got this in this uh, Cockshaw Ethnic Eleven? Let's start at the back in goals. All right. So it's fuck players, obviously. Now into goals, it's uh, Michael Theoklatos, and none of this Michael Theo bullshit, right? Well, yeah, Where, I'm already I'm already know. calling calling bullshit on this one because Michael Theo he wanted to renounce his ethnicity so badly that he lost the Theoklatos, and he went yes, to but just when Theo. he was with us. When he was with yes. us, he was the Oklatos, and this is about the Vuck. And look, I mean, there are other ethnic goalkeepers that we had, but they were generally pretty shit. You know, Tommy Tomic, yeah. Michael Petkovic, you know, like, it, this is this is the all right? And, yeah. You know, he, no Theo. Yeah, look, he could he could never have – a Greek man could never have gotten away with denouncing his Greek surname in Melbourne. He only waited up until he got into the Bogan – the big Bogan swimming pool in Brisbane <laughs> – to be able to do that, he kind of had to do that in Brisbane. Otherwise, I probably would have, you know, do what they do up there. Yeah, it's a cop out from from Michael Theoklatos, Dave. You and I know it all too start. well. You you and I know it all too well. Growing up with a, a surname that's hard to pronounce and spell, it is a bit of a, a poison chalice sometimes. And Michael Theoklatos, um, yeah, I think he copped out by changing his name to Michael Theo. But you're right, he was Theoklatos during his time in Melbourne Victory. Who we got next? All right, at right back, we got Stefan Negro. Look, when Negro was, was starting to get first-team foot, football, uh, this was around the time when FVS started rolling with the Cockshaw ethnic moniker. Yep. You know, it was, you know it was, he was our boy there for a little while. And so Stefan, unfortunate first name, but, you know, very much an ethnic surname and very much uh, my choice for right back. Yeah, he's uh, without a club right now. He's um, he's touring or he's uh, jetting around Europe at the moment. Um, still without a club. 
but uh, hopefully Steph gets a club soon. Who have we got uh, All right. next week? My central defensive partnership is Roddy Vargas and Lyubor Milicevic. So Roddy Vargas, for all intents, is a wog. I remember taking a piss next to him at Crow Night in the Met at Metro back in the day. He was very much you know, on board with uh, being that an mean? ethnic in Melbourne. What does that mean? Taking a piss? I, I know that I know he's ethnic because I took a piss next to him. That's right. So look, it's it's all about a lot of this is how I relate to the to the person in question and the interactions I've had with them. Okay, I've got some good stories coming up about some of the other players as well. So. It's an anecdotal, but it's also part of the, the uh, you know, part of the allure of being in this prestigious first-time inaugural Cockshaw Ethnic Eleven. All right. So apparently, yeah. South Americans can get into the Cockshaw Ethnic Eleven, which is hundred uh, percent, which is interesting. Okay, who we got next? All right. I, I mentioned Liubo. Uh, yeah. If the A League was the internet, Liubo was the best shit poster out of anyone else. From his classic interviews on SBS back in the day, uh, yeah, he was more cocksure and carefree than most. His lifestyle just oozes, I don't give a fuck. And he sticks his finger up at the mainstream. Just a unique character. Yeah, the, he was uh, his, the, one, the one that got away for us in terms of, uh, in terms of an interview. We, we tried so, so hard to get him on board at FES. He approached us. And then he backed down, and then we approached him a few times, and it just never really came together. He is just that eccentric, alluring type male. Um, yeah, a real great example of a cocksure ethnic. Um, also has a penchant for porn, as we all know. <laughs> uh, at left back, I've got a, a Vuck favourite, and one of your favourites, Jace, uh, Daniel Georgievsky. I think, captain, uh, ab- captain, absolute... captain, got to be captain. captain. Got to be captain. He's Absolute a... captain. He's amazing, isn't he? And I, I, yeah, I've had some some things. I've, I've talked to him a few times, and he's just uh, one of the all time greats. I think uh, as part of the the locker room chemistry, he's a real locker room type guy. He he brings it together. He sets the culture and he sets the tone for a club. And he would be amazing at Western Sydney Wanderers right now. I think he's probably found his uh, his niche being among those fans at the moment. Uh, new stadium, a renewed sense on life. Um, I think that that uh, Daniel Georgievsky is one of the great characters of the A-League and uh, very, very happy that he's uh, back in Australia. For, he's been, been back in Australia for a while now, but um, certainly an absolute asset to the league. In the midfield, we've got a, a midfield three, and I'm going to start off with the guy who's going to be anchoring that midfield, and that's Steve Panalides, right? Wowee. Now, Panna was one of those blokes that would have gone to Heat nightclub a lot back in the day, right? He would have had a, had a posse of other chock mates and they'd all be circling around him because he was the, the footballer and they'd be all going, hey, Banner, hey, Banner, mate, what's going on? Going to Heat? <laughs> I played I played table tennis against Steve Panalides at the very first ever victory shop in 2005 and he was 100% that guy. Absolute, like, you know, if you had a look and there was a, a group of 10 10 chocks in a circle he was the biggest dickhead out of all of them so very very good selection in this one yeah i think another part of this criteria is that you have to be um willing to sort out your mates some free gear as well from uh from adidas and the club store i'm sure that panna uh would be certainly sorting out all of his mates and family with uh, a few free adidas t-shirts oh he he was he was reebok era oh yes panna 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 lady was his reebok era (laughs) 
Next up is Billy, or as we call him here on FVS, Blagoya Celeski. Now, I think if you've got a if you've got a first name that is so difficult that has to be anglicised in the way that Blagoya is, you, you definitely make the cut. Yeah, I think he uh, he reached some lofty heights at Melbourne Victory as well. He um, he stuffed it all up by going overseas. I think his career was never the same afterwards. But he's uh, certainly a worthy, worthy addition to the ethnic 11. And uh, rounding out that midfield is uh, Seb Pasquale. Controversial, I know, but um, mm. he's got the name. He had the look and he had the strut. You know, minimal time with us at the club, obviously, and now he's off at... Western United, interestingly, he was in the news this week, apparently fallen out of favour with Mark Rudan. But, um, you know, he was obviously a tremendous talent that we only sadly got to see briefly. Yeah, it's a shame to see what has come of Seb Pasquale. Um, we earmarked him for really huge things. He went overseas maybe a little bit too early, uh, has come back. Or he actually he went overseas and he languished um, in purgatory for quite a while as well while he was waiting for, for visas and things like that to come through. Just a really poor example. And you, you hope that he can get his career back on track. If he's on the if he's on the outs with Mark Ridden already, that's, that's a real disappointment because he is a absolute uh, talent. And I think that that's... Uh, that's a sad thing if he's if he's going to languish on the benches of Western United. Up top, it's a, it's a, it's a, a front three, and on the left, I'm going to go with Mate Duganjic. And I want to tell a story about when I ran into Mate in uh, Gold Coast away back when Gold Coast was a thing. I happened to be on the same flight as the players, and I was walking behind Mate, and I just sort of greeted him. I said, "How you going?" And he's like, "What are you doing here?" <laughs> As if, like, he knew me from somewhere. Like, it was just the most typical sort of, you know, Melbourne wog thing to sort of say, what are you doing here, mate? Like, and that stuck with me. And, look, immensely talented player. Um, you know, like, uh, uh, spewing when he went to heart, you know, when that happened. Um, so, yeah, that's that's the, the first entry of that front third, boys. What do you think? I well, think he's, straight out of, he's straight out of St Albans, isn't he? So he just has yep. to be there. On the other side of this front three, I'm going to save the central guy for last, is Theo Markellis. It was inevitable that he was going to make this side. The way he carried himself, it was you know pretty cocksure, obviously. There was a lot of hype, as we've talked about a lot, with being in that Valencia youth system. And he famously had that photo of himself with David Villa. Sadly, Theo couldn't walk the talk on the pitch. No, he uh, made... Five appearances for Melbourne Victory is now playing, I think, for Hume City, uh, which is, I'm sure, he's twenty. He's only twenty seven. He's only twenty seven. He feels like he's at um, at the Vuck a very, very long time ago. But uh, only twenty seven. Um, yeah, he's he's the he's the poster boy of of this team. I think he's the ultimate uh, all talk no walk type of bloke. Um, he he embodies what it means to be a cocksure ethnic. He would have um, he would have celebrated you know indoor indoor soccer Wednesday night <laughs> goals like he was at San Siro, like like he scored in the Milan derby at San Siro. He would have he would have been shirts off everything you know picking fights afterwards. Yeah, he'd be he'd be you know, he'd hustling. be um, yelling at the ref. Foul! 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 Hustling the girl behind the counter for Powerade. Like come, come on, on, ref! Are you serious? You fucking do it all day. <laughs> <laughs> oh, 
fuck. All right, boys. Now, I just got to say the, quickly. The, just got to say quickly because we are simulcast on uh, on FNR, and Josh Parrish, a former um, host of this, asked me to do a swear check every week, and I think the last twenty minutes I'm going to be going to be busy. But all right, Dave, keep going. <laughs> all right, rounding out that. Uh, front three it's of course it's Andy Naboo the way he carries himself these days he's the peak of Melbourne cocksuredness he has a strut about him now that just reeks of I'm the man you know he's been to the world he's been to the world cup he's played for Asia's biggest club now he's back in his old hometown he's able to say to all the ladies that thought he was just a fat little Lebanese kid look at me I'm the fucking man now in fact, he's the Mount fucking Everest of cocksure ethnic. Actually, no way. Everest isn't ethnic enough. He's the Mount Kosciuszko. <laughs> very, 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 very good. What a meteoric rise for Andrew Naboo. He's an Adonis. He's a beautiful man. He, he left victory as a bit of a chubby kid and has come back as just a sculptured god. Um, Andrew Naboo, uh, just a, a, a beautiful man and uh, full of cocksure ethnicity. And two players, uh, notable mentions that make the bench, Ricky Diaco, mm-hmm. a classic state league journeyman. Uh, and the reason I bring him up is I actually went to Diaco's nursery a couple of weeks ago. He has uh, a nursery? It's his family business. You know, okay. Lubo used mm-hmm. to work there. Oh. Yeah, he's, um, one of, he's one of Lilbo's best mates too. So um, you know how Lilbo was a bit of a journeyman and he'd crack it and he'd leave a club and... Um, you know, he was very volatile. You need a stabilizing influence on Lilbo. And uh, without Archie Thompson there, you've got to have Ricky Diaco. So, yeah, good good call. The last player I want to mention is Michael Ferrante. Yeah. One of the great what-could-have-been players in Australian football. Uh, famously captain of that West Ham youth side in the 90s that featured mm-hmm. the likes of Joe Cole, Michael Carrick. Yeah, he was captain when they won the FA Youth Cup, you know, Rio Ferdinand and others obviously came out of that system. So even though Frank he was Lampard. only... Exactly. Even though he was only at the VUC for a bit, um, that's that footnote just qualifies him for the team on the bench for me. So that's it? That's, that's your uh, your 11 plus that's the bench? That's it, boys. I, I've, I've, got an, I've got an... Look, we're going to say notable mentions that missed out. Mm. Where was little Christian Theoharis, Yeah, mate? You missed out on Theoharis. Yeah, that's a glaring omission on, on my part. I probably should have put him in ahead of Daganjic, but I let my uh, personal story get in the way of my judgment. <laughs> no, nah, that's fine. That's fine. I thought he would have at least maybe made the bench. Um, but I liked that one, Dave, and I think maybe oh, Pondoyak was a bit stiff to uh, not make the field too. Uh, you know, he's another son of St. Albans, Tommy. Yeah, he was, uh, he was a good one. Agreed. Too. Missed out there. Yeah. All right, let's let's get back to this uh, this match preview. The uh, the return of Bessart Barisha playing against Victory for the very first time. He had a chance to play against the Victory uh, when he was at Hiroshima, but uh, he was on the outs there, so that never eventuated when we did play them in the Asian Champions League. So Bessart Barisha, this will be probably the main storyline of the week. Uh, a real chance to ignite this rivalry into something real. Depends on how Bessart Barisha reacts. If he scores, I, I count on him to probably... Um, to celebrate quite heartily, I think that he's going to try to ignite this rivalry like no other. He's um, he's basically just hothead. He's got white line feeder. So uh, I think it's going to be an interesting game. I think that uh, Victory still have a lot to work out. I think that Western United are probably actually a little bit further ahead of us in terms of team cohesion and chemistry. But uh, it 
it uh, does go without saying as well, though, that we did beat them 6-0 only a few weeks ago in a preseason match. I'm not too sure how many players they had from their first team, um, but uh, we've got that on our side at the very least. I think we've got our work cut out for us in this game, boys. Um, you know, they've got no issues from a squad and personnel perspective playing you know in that very typical Rudan style with the wing backs bombing forward uh, they've got a, a maestro in midfield and you know we haven't even talked about Kone but Kone is serious quality and uh, Dario Yurtek in, in, in midfield is they're, they're an ideal anchorman so they've got a lot of experience you know age it's been talked about a fair bit their, their average age and what's going to start to happen as the season wears on you know from a um, I guess, you know, that when the heat really starts to arrive in, in the A-League, you know, you start to see more injuries. So, look, yeah, but I'm not confident at all. Obviously, losing Andy Naboo, I think uh, we're going to go down in this one 2-0. Would have been really nice to have Naboo to try and back three. Um, they've had a back... <clears throat> excuse me. They've, they've been deploying a back three. It'd be interesting to see how they... They line up today. They're playing this afternoon. We're recording this Sunday morning. Um, yeah, they've, they've got quality all over the park, unfortunately. And look, the way we've played, um, I think they shade us. They shade us in all areas. Um, Scott McDonald, Diamante and Barisha, you, you'd have to think at least one of those guys is going to score on us. But... Um, Look, it's they, they've they haven't played in a big big game yet with a big big crowd, so uh, it'll be interesting to see what happens here. I'm I'm gonna have faith in our defence holding up again and um, Ola Toivonen and being able to do something and them maybe giving us a penalty. So I'm I'm, I'm thinking it's going to be a one-one. Um, draw, and I I would on current form I'd probably be happy with that. Yeah, I'm trying to think. I, I don't. I don't know if we can score enough goals. So we got to. We got to try and hold them to 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 one, and hopefully score two, or hold them to zero and try to score one. I don't know how many goals we've got in us with this current incarnation of our uh, front third, where it's going to be basically Ola Toivonen and really, really relied on to to do everything. Um, and hopefully that um, Kenny Athu and Elvis Kemsober can chip in for some. Uh, for some uh, relief, but it's going to be uh, interesting. Also interesting will be the crowd figure. Who who knows what is going to happen on Saturday night? Will it be a big Western United um, turnout? Or will it be just uh, mainly predominantly victory? Um, still a new team, so still a lot to, um, to really uh, discover about Western United, but I think we'll get a good sense of it on Saturday night. So I'm tipping probably, a, I'm going to hopefully chip a 1-0 grind out win for the Vuck. I think from a crowd perspective, I reckon the Western United uh, fan base are likely to turn out in better numbers at Marvel than they are in Geelong because, you know, ultimately, you know, talking about the Werribee line, you know, and coming in, you know, most of their fans, I would say, uh, probably Western suburbs as opposed to Geelong. So I think... You know, they're, they're likely to bring a few a few fans, I feel. Um, you know, they had, what, 6,000, just to touch over 6,000 over in Geelong. Yep. And, you know, I think it's likely they'll bring probably roughly the same to Marvel Stadium. So I think uh, we're all tipping kind of hopefully um, some 
some optimistic results, despite the fact we think that maybe Western United are a little bit better. Um, I'm sure that uh, we'll find out how it all comes out next week. I think that's about it for, for us for this week. Buds, Dave, thank you boys for your time and uh, have a nice Sunday afternoon with family. Thank, thank you, mate. And uh, we'll catch you all next week for a big, big roundup of the Westgate Derby. But until then, it's goodbye and... Mon the fuck. Mon.